Hello, everyone, and welcome to The Green Flag. I'm your host, Lucas Wacker, and with me, as always, we have Kyle Cushman. And welcome to a special edition of The Green Flag. We've got another fun one in store for you guys today. We're going to be ranking some NASCAR Cup Series racetracks. Uh, we're going to use the tier maker, widely known across uh, the multimedia platform. Everything, yeah. Yeah, it's a great system where you can just plop your uh, your whatever category you're talking about or whatever topic into tiers, and uh, we're going to be doing that today with the Cup Series racetrack. So it's going to be a fun one in store for today's episode, but we have some news and notes to get to before we get into that. But before we get into all of that, how are you doing today, Kyle? As uh, a busy couple of days for ourselves uh, with other sports besides racing. Yes, uh, I got to say, I'm doing quite well because last night was the beginning of the NHL season, of course, and the Toronto Maple Leafs won. And for you, I'm sure you're doing great too because Toronto won and Vancouver won. You got the double. So finally, we're, we're living large luck. right now. Granted, it's probably not going to last all that long, but you know what? I think we we're can living, get. We're living good right now. Uh, but no, it's good. We're getting some of the other sports back in, in business, which means soon enough. Racing will be back as well. We've got Chili Bowl this week, which has been fun to kind of watch uh, from afar on Twitter this week. But after this, we get right back into the swing of things. So I'm doing good. Leafs won, so we're all great. Yeah, I can't agree with you more there. I'm in a, I'm in a great mood today. Uh, feeling good. 2-0 uh, and o for the season for my two teams there, uh, the Leafs and the Canucks. I know it's a bit of an odd one, but uh, we'll stay away from the hockey side of things. We'll stick to racing for this podcast, and uh, we'll start off today's episode with the Arkham and Ard series. I know it's a bit of an awkward one to start with, but it did bring some interesting news out this morning. So, Brett Holmes Racing, uh, Brett Holmes, obviously an Arkham and Ard series driver for the past couple of seasons, will expand into the truck series in 2021 on a part-time schedule and also stick in Arca part-time as well. And then what comes with that, there's a caveat, Sam Mayer is going to be running with that team on a part-time basis as well. As Mayer will do six Arca races and five truck series races this upcoming season. So a very interesting uh, announcement here, Kyle. Uh, the first truck race will be at Atlanta for this team with Brett Holmes behind the wheel of that race truck. But it'll be very, very interesting to see how this team that does very well in Arca correlates over to the truck series. Yeah, it's a great announcement because anytime you see kind of that small uh, kind of family owned kind of thing, work its way up the ranks is always great to see. And they've had a ton of success specifically last year in the Arkham Menard series. Of course, Brett Holmes winning the overall championship in that series. And they made their intentions known that they don't want to just stick in Arca. They want to try and work their way up. And they're going to be doing that this upcoming year with some limited truck series starts. And to get a name like Sam Mayer on board as well, is massive because it would be one thing if Brett Holmes announces that he's going to have a truck series team, they're going to run a few races and then Brett runs them and it's all fine and dandy there. But to get arguably the biggest prospect in NASCAR right now, who's completely skipping over a full season in trucks to go straight to junior motorsports in the Xfinity series, you've got him on board to run a handful of truck races for you. And obviously Arca as well. That's pretty impressive, I got to say, and obviously made a great impact on him uh, running against him in ARCA this past year as well. So um, really fun announcement. It's always great to see more people get involved at the higher ranks of NASCAR, and uh, Brett Holmes is no exception here. No, uh, definitely not. Sam Mayer is going to be a busy, busy guy next season. Going to be running part-time for Junior Motorsports. Still going to be doing some stuff on the side with GMS as well. And then now this here with Brett Holmes Racing. I mean, this... 
This guy is going to be getting a lot of seat time, and that's what you want from a young prospect like Sam Mayer. But Brett Holmes as well, getting an opportunity in himself, trying to prove himself in his own equipment here. Reminds me a little bit of Ryan Sieg, just in terms of that family-built kind of racing racing organization. Uh, and I, I think this is going to be a very fun project to keep your eyes on in the truck series when they do run on that part-time schedule. Just how they compare to some of the bigger teams, I'm not expecting them to blow them out of the water by any means. It does take some time. And even the big teams struggle from time to time. Just look at KBM over the past couple of seasons. So it's, it's no easy feat to try and be successful in even any level of motorsports, let alone the truck series. So very, very interested to see how Sam Mayer is able to elevate that program, if any, and then how Brett Holmes results compared to Sam Mayer's as well. It's a good uh, testing ground for himself there too. So very interesting news coming out of ARCA. So um, it, I, there's not really much else to this story. We're going to see what they do when they go out onto the track in the upcoming months. But uh, I guess we'll stick with the ARCA theme here with Gracie Trotter, Kyle. As uh, there was news the, the previous week here, now it has been finally confirmed. There was a rumor, but now it is confirmed. Gracie Trotter will be running full part-time excuse me, for Venturini Motorsports in the number 25 and the number 15. His Michael Self is departing the team. So a huge opportunity here from Gracie Trotter. She won a race this past season in the Canon West Pro Series. So she is very much on the radar of many NASCAR fans. She's one of the youngest uh, female drivers in the sport on the way up through the ranks. And this is a very, very exciting announcement because that 25-15 car is very, very good in the ARCA Series, as Michael Self has proven on many, many occasions while he's running that car. So... What are your thoughts on the move here for Gracie Trotter and Venturini Motorsports? That that great pairing, it seems. Yeah, well, first of all, there's a dollar in the K&N slash ARCA jar because it's ARCA West now, not K&N oh. West. So I hate to break it to you there. But you know what? That's okay. That's okay. I, I, almost, I, I think I made that mistake last time but it's all good hey i'll take the, the even it's, it's exactly zero zero even even play i just <laughs> exactly. felt bad for last for the last mm. episode so okay but no on on the move itself this is awesome because gracie trotter has shown uh a, quite a bit of skill out there uh in the western division of arca um and it's the same division that we saw Haley deegan come from as well so it's great to see uh that that pipeline kind of continue and arca west continue to kind of produce more and more drivers uh at the next level um because it's been significantly behind the likes of the arca east series um but as as that series gets older and older and more talent goes through it uh, it's going to be fun to see how it develops there as a series by itself but in terms of trotter here this is a great move for her because michael self is moving on i believe in a coaching role in, in trans am or something along Bus those lines. business owner i think yeah he went so, back to college i read and then uh is going into the ownership business yeah, and, and so that leaves a, a big opportunity for drivers like Gracie Trotter to step in to a race-winning car in ARCA. And technically, last year, she became the first driver, uh, female driver, that is, to win under the ARCA banner. But of course, we know that there's kind of an asterisk to it because it's the same series that Haley Deegan won three races in. Um, it was just under the k &N label at that time. But Trotter here is going to have a legitimate shot at going out and winning a race in the main ARCA series, which would be the highest level that a female driver has ever won at in NASCAR, period. Um, Haley Deegan wasn't able to do it last year, granted with DGR, who was a lesser team than Venturini, but Venturini is a top-level team. 
mm-hmm. obviously you can't have the the super super high expectations for somebody like Trotter so that it's something that's realistic here but we know Arca isn't as deep as it used to be we don't know what the full field is going to be like but when she when she steps into the the 15 or the 25 whatever she's running on that weekend she's going to be in one of the top cars there and she's going to have a legit shot to win. Um, And that's going to be amazing, amazing to see. And hopefully that propels her forward in her career because anytime you can get diversity and female involvement uh, in any sport, it's great to see, but especially here in racing uh, because it's one of those few sports where it doesn't matter where you come from, what your gender is, anything like that. Anybody can sit in a car and go out and win races in it. Um, And it's great to see people getting those opportunities like Gracie Trotter this upcoming year yeah the arca menard series is definitely having that female presence this upcoming season jamie little in the booth for fox covering the races and now we have gracie trotter on the track so nice bit of mixture there good to see some diversity amongst the lower levels of motorsports hopefully we see that rise up through the ranks as the years progress but uh it's a great starting point here progress is being made and uh, we're gonna have two female drivers to keep your eye on next season in the top four levels of stock car racing with gracie trotter and Haley deegan moving up to the truck series this upcoming season as well so very very interesting stuff from arca uh over the past couple of days it's nice to give the the lower series some shout outs and these are definitely two intriguing storylines to keep your eye on for the 2021 calendar season so We'll go up to the NASCAR Cup Series. We'll go up three uh, three levels higher here. We'll go up to the Cup Series as we've got some more Daytona 500 entry announcements for this upcoming Great American Race. Uh, two interesting ones at that as well. Noah Gregson will be running for uh, Beard Motorsports in the number 62, obviously known as Brennan Gons, old seat on the Super Speedway track, but he is now in retirement. So now Noah Gregson is the new guy that they're having to take over for that spot, but it was not their first choice as Noah Gregson in his kind of media spiel released that Jimmy Johnson was actually the, uh, the target for Brennan Gunn initially. Unfortunately, Johnson declined the offer, um, but Noah Gregson was their second guy and they snagged him here. And this is going to be the opportunity for him to make his cup series debut in this ride. Um, he has to obviously qualify for the race and open cars. We talked about on Monday for David Reagan and a couple of others. And we also have another open entry car here with Colleague Racing making their Cup Series hopeful debut uh, with Kaz Grala being the person. Not someone like AJ Allmendinger, not Justin Haley, or even Jeb Burton in their Xfinity Series program. Kaz Grala has been tabbed to take over for that specific ride for the Daytona 500. A huge opportunity for someone like him as uh, he's going to have the opportunity to make uh, colleague racing's cup series debut in the great american race so two very interesting notes here two of the younger guys in the sport no gregson a very much up-and-coming prospect one of the guys going into the season as a championship favorite in the xfinity series and also kaz grala making this step up to the cup series we saw him at the daytona road course in that fill-in role for austin Dillon over the past year and uh, he did an exceptional job there now he's going to have the chance to prove it in the oval in a cup series car at daytona so what do you make of these moves here, Kyle? Two very interesting ones for the Daytona 500. Yeah, a couple of uh, different ones, we'll say. Uh, for starters, on the Jimmy Johnson rumor, it doesn't surprise me that he's declined that offer because Johnson has never been a guy that's necessarily been uh, the premier, premier uh, super speedway driver or has been a guy that's particularly like super speedway driving so it's not all that surprising that he declined the offer even though it is the daytona 500 is the biggest one 
he's won it already. There's no real draw for him to come back for that one. So I appreciate Beard Motorsports going out and trying to get the big name, but I like giving it to Noah Gregson here. We've seen him in, in Xfinity and in trucks as well. He's an extremely aggressive driver at super speedways. You need sometimes <laughs> to be that aggressive guy to go out and get the results. And when you look at the guys available potentially for this ride, I think they made a great hire here in Noah Gregson. He's going to be a guy that is going to show up and he's going to try to win the damn thing. He's not going to try and sit back and kind of bide his time and, and be happy with like a top 10 finish. He's, he's going to try and win the race. And that's going to be fun to see because a lot of the time with some of the smaller teams, the, the gripe you might have with them is Daytona or, or super speedways in general are your one shot to contend with the rest of the field. And sometimes we don't necessarily see the smaller teams take that opportunity and they're content with like the top 15 finish and just kind of riding around at the back, the whole race. I can't see Noah Gregson going out and doing that for Beard Motorsports. And this is a team as well with Brendan Gaughan that hasn't just sat at the back. They've sat at the back for like 90% of the race, but in that final 10%, they're up there at the front. And you can see that in all the past results from Brendan Gaughan in his super speedway days with Beard Motorsports, uh, the, the great clip of him almost taking the lead and then doing a flip and landing on all fours. So uh, that goes to show you what that team's all about. Um, and then on Kaz Grala, I was not expecting that tie whatsoever. Uh, when you look at uh, colleague racing, you're expecting one of the drivers that they currently have under contract probably to, to, to run that race for them. And last year, Justin Haley uh, ran the Daytona 500 for them. You, you would expect AJ Allmendinger, who has a ton of experience, obviously, in the Cup Series, um, or even Jeb Burton, uh, who they have under contract there. Um, but instead, it's Kaz Grala, and we've seen him at every single level be a pretty damn good super speedway yes, driver he, he's so. uh, he's gone out and he's won races in uh in nascar at super speedways um and, and it's going to be great to see him get this opportunity here with a team that looks to be competitive uh we don't know what that level will be but it's a super speedway race so it's basically anybody who shows up with an engine can at least have a shot at it if you can stay in the draft um and and we know kaz Grala's talent on the super speedway so it's great to see for starters uh kaz get a ride at period this season and it looks like it'll be with colleague in the cup series for more than just this race potentially which mm -hmm. is great to see as well um i hope that it can blossom into more opportunities for Grala because he's been a talented driver that hasn't really got as many opportunities as you maybe hope for. Just like at last year of the three drivers that rotated through primarily uh, the, the 21, he had by far the fewest races in it. Um, so it's great to see him get this opportunity with a blossoming team like Colleague Racing uh, and just kind of having that tie there because you can never know what happens down the road. When you look at it, you, you expect them to go full-time in 2022. You would expect one of their current uh, Xfinity drivers probably to make that jump with them. That would open up an Xfinity spot potentially for Grala, or maybe he impresses this season in those races and maybe he lends himself a Cup Series ride. We don't know what the situation will be in a 2022. So uh, two very interesting hires and in, and two if they make it to the show of course because they are open entries it's gonna be some good ones missing will man. be very very fun to watch during the daytona 500 <laughs> i want all these guys to make the i field. know like, like it's gonna be such a shame that if something you know these unforeseen circumstances takes one of these guys out or yeah. something something that's out of their control just loses that it just doesn't give them the opportunity to race for the 500 and 
I mean, it'd just be heartbreaking for something like this because this is arguably the most entertaining or intriguing Daytona 500 feel we've had in quite some a time. While. Yeah. Um, it, because ever since they've gone down to 40 cars, it's been kind of mediocre in terms of that dual race threat. And there's now only this been like year, one or two max that, that missed the show. And this year they're not surprising. We've, we've got to miss 44, 45 entries. So uh, yeah, I think it's 44, 45 right now. We're still waiting maybe on the, the Gaunt brothers ride. If they decide to go into this season in the 96, leaving it late two years in a row here for their ride. Uh, didn't make as well last with year. The Penske yeah. entry. We don't know uh, if they're going to go for, for this one. I think the only one that we know isn't entering is go fast at this point point uh yes yeah i, I believe so, so i think bob pockers tweeted it out yeah. uh after this announcement after these announcements today that uh that's the lineup right now that the 96 is kind of like the only one along with Cindric. so we'll uh keep you up to date if any other drivers want to come to the show and i and i i mean i kind of want 43 cars for this 500 but at the same time the charter rule doesn't allow that to happen so it's going to be stuck to 40 unless nascar makes a, a late rule change here for the 500 i don't anticipate it but um, you know what but it makes the duels way more interesting so exactly it's just going to be heartbreaking to see who misses out on the shot you know for especially for these guys hoping to make their cup series debut yeah, like daniel suarez organization for crying out loud Exactly. Like there's, there's a potential here for uh, some upsets and don't slack on the, uh, the, the, the back marker teams as well that are necessarily behind these guys. They can always sneak their way up in these super speedway duels as well. So like some maybe JJ Yaley or somebody like that, they could uh, uh, like, a, <laughs> I hate to say it, but like a, um, uh, What's the organization that always wrecks? Rick Ware. Oh, uh, yes. It, like, if we have a Rick Ware car make it over these guys, then, you know, I mean, it's just going to be an intriguing Well, those guys have the charter, the so duel. they're in. Like, it's... Yeah, that's fair enough. Yeah. It's uh, these guys, man. They just leave it late with these entries, but they always make it entertaining here. And the Daytona 500 is definitely shaping up to be something very, very special this season. 2021 is shaping up to be an exceptional motorsports season across the board. So uh, it's great to see that these guys are taking a chance on hopefully making the Great American Race this upcoming February. So I think we move on from those guys there, Kyle. We can quickly talk about some paint schemes here that were released over the past couple of days. Namely, the one this morning, I'd say, is probably the one. Uh, we'll just quickly touch on it. William Byron and their new Exalta scheme. Going away from the famous flames that was the previous du DuPont uh, paint scheme, now formed into Exalta. Uh, Byron has run those flames since he's come into the sport for the 24 car in the Cup Series. They're definitely shifting away from that this season, I will say that. Um, kind of an homage a little bit to the rainbow warrior in some respects in terms of the bright color schemes that they're going for, but it's definitely not a rainbow on that car. I can say that. Uh, then we've got Bubba Wallace and their door dash paint scheme. Um, we'll get onto our thoughts here in a second. We'll see. Uh, we'll see <laughs> on that one. And then Martin Truex Jr. Previously having uh, no sponsorship with Reesers, but now that Eric Jones is the part of the organization, Reesers will be moving over to the 19 car for this upcoming season. And I believe they're taking five primary races, if I'm not mistaken, but I could be wrong on that. And then they've got, obviously, uh, Bash Pro Shops taking the, 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 the load uh, uh, over there for the sponsorship. And I believe one other organization that is a sponsor that is uh, slipping my mind right now. But um, that's the, the paint schemes. The racers basically looks the same, just a different number on it. DoorDash, kind of underwhelming, I'd say, for myself. Uh, I was expecting a little bit more for something from that organization. And uh, then William Byron's paint scheme, I'm going to be completely honest. I think they missed on it. Uh, I, if you go 
with that, maybe go with a navy blue base or something like that, not a black base. But I can kind of see the, the people that like it. But at the same time, I'm a huge fan of the Flames paint scheme. I don't know if they ever really needed to change that. I think it's just an iconic scheme. But at the same time, I do understand that they want to make something specifically for William Byron's career now, and that's shifting in a different direction. It's kind of like a, an overhaul over there at Hendrick Motorsports uh, over this offseason with new drivers, new paint schemes, new numbers, new everything, basically, new personnel. Everything over at Hendrick Motorsports is taking a giant uh, overhaul, and they just won the championship as an organization as well. So it's an interesting dynamic over there at the powerhouse at Hendrick. But what are your thoughts on the three paint schemes that we've seen? And then four, I guess, with the uh, new Anthony Alfredo one. Yeah, it's uh, it was decent is what I'll say. Um, starting with the, uh, the DoorDash 23, um, it's actually grown on me a little bit. It, it's a basic one, to say the least. But it kind of works for DoorDash and, and kind of their branding and everything. It, it's definitely not a paint scheme that blows you away or anything like that. But it's a solid-looking car, so it's not like in a in god tier, all like amazing no. A plus or anything like that. It's but not going like to get paint scheme of the year award. No, the, but it's uh, like in, a, in next year's award. It's like a solid like B minus kind of range where like it it, it it's solid. It, it it does its job. It's nothing fancy, but it's not brutal or anything like that. So so it's fine. And, and uh, to that point, Truex's scheme as well is kind of more of the same, where it's just kind of one of those fine schemes. Where, where you see it on track and you're like, okay, it doesn't really stick in your mind or anything like it that. Is. It is what it is. The William Byron one, though, um, it's fine, but you're, it's a significant downgrade from what it was. Like, I understand yeah. what they're going for, but then I see, like, not even, like, an hour after, like, that scheme's released, like, three or four different mock-ups of, like, a similar kind of scheme that I looks know. ten times better. And I know. that's always the thing with it. Because, like, you can look at it and you're like, okay, I can see what they were going for. It's fine. But then when I see, like, a like a Noah Sweet, like, mock-up of it, and it looks ten times better, and I'm like, come on. So, I know. I want to see it on track because maybe it looks better than it, than it does in the photos, but it just leaves you wanting more because you know it can be better and all that kind of stuff. And, yeah, it doesn't even look like they um, even committed to the like it's the rainbow kind of throwback and it's just a weird one it's just weird and then yeah alfredo it's the same scheme as last year just with a new driver so yeah exactly but yeah but you know what we're getting more and more schemes which means we're getting closer and closer to the 500 so it's not all bad yeah it's just like a weird design like how like what does it symbolize like it's just not even like a yeah. paint smear or anything like that it's like just a rectangle it's just lines, that kind yeah. of like like that is a pointy tip like it's just really awkward um but i mean you do you exalta you do you hendrick motorsports i won't try and grave you on it too much but it is not your finest work i will say that i think there has been some legendary stuff saying that though if you go for the throwback weekend this upcoming may at darlington and you put the old jeff gordon paint scheme out there with the red flames and the blue base yeah, then, then I'll forgive you for this uh, paint scheme this upcoming season. I will definitely be ordering that diecast whenever they want to. Throw back to Jeff Gordon with that paint scheme, the one I fell in love with, then we will uh, – uh, that's going right up there, right up, <laughs> somewhere up there. Uh, so – that's like the paint scheme news. Just thought we'd throw it out there because yeah. the William Byron one was a, a bit of a fun one. Yeah, we don't have a ton of news, so we might as well no, hit on it, some of the smaller stuff that we don't usually get to. Exactly. 
and uh, we can move on from NASCAR here, I think, Kyle. We don't really have much else to discuss on that side of things. We can move over to Formula One. As uh, on our Monday episode, we talked about the rumors and almost confirmation <laughs> of the schedule. And I guess they much, must have been paying attention, so we had to get the quality and content out for you guys here on the Thursday as F1 has confirmed the schedule changes that we discussed a little bit on Monday's episode, but an interesting little one in there as well. Bahrain will open the season this, uh, in 2021 as widely speculated that Australia will be moving back on the F1 calendar. Now, Imola will be the second race of the season for this uh, for 2021 as it's taking China's place on the schedule. China may run at a later date, but for right now, Imola is taking that spot as the second race of the season. So we go from Bahrain right into the European side of things with Imola. And then that third race is expected to be Portugal. We talked about that a little bit on Monday, but it's not fully confirmed yet. But I imagine over the next couple of weeks or even a month or two, we will finally know that Portugal will be that third race, uh, you know, without any circumstances, hopefully getting in the way of that. It was a great inaugural race this past season, and hopefully it does come back on the 2021 calendar. And then Australia moves to November 21st, so very, very late in the season. That's going into their summer months. Let's not forget that. It's going to be pretty hot down there in Australia, so different track conditions, different track temps. Drivers are going to have to be, and teams are going to have to prepare a little bit differently for that race than they have in the past, where it's in mid-March, when it's kind of a little bit of a cooler sense down there in Australia, even though I feel like it's never really cold in Australia. It will no, be a bit warmer not. down there <laughs> in, in November. So it's moving to November 21st after Brazil and then before Saudi Arabia. So it's that third to last race of the season. So a very interesting spot on the calendar. It's very much backloaded now, the calendar for, for the upcoming season. Not as much on the front side of things before the summer break. Now the back half, it's going to be a wild stretch there with reliability issues most likely as the season winds down and what teams can get the fastest updates and the most uh, productive updates for, to their cars as the season winds down as well. Because I think that this season, Red Bull, if they take that next step when they have a, a double duo like Verstappen and Perez, maybe they can challenge Mercedes. It's a long season. They have plenty of time to make up a little bit if they, they start off so like they usually do. There is time for them to re regroup and catch them as the se season goes on. So interesting news there out of Formula One. Nothing else besides those news that I just mentioned uh, has changed on the calendar. Everything else is staying put in terms of their weekend dates and everything like that, um, except for Saudi Arabia and, and Abu Dhabi just moved back a week just because of the Australian date there. So your thoughts on the, uh, the schedule re reformation, I guess. Yeah, it's something that we expected, if we're being honest. Uh, and we talked Absolutely. about that a little bit earlier this week when – you set the schedule and you're optimistic that things will be in a situation where you can get to them and everything will be fine and dandy, but it was never a realistic kind of situation. It was always going to be um, best case scenario, but the most likely one was kind of having to move things around like you did last year. And the hope is that you can reschedule and not cancel like you had to last year. And we can still get to most of the tracks where they're originally scheduled, but the, those first couple ones were always going to be ambitious to get to. It's nice to see that Australia by itself is already rescheduled for a specific date, and it'll be interesting to see how the conditions affect how, how the racing is and uh, past data and everything like that that, uh, that the teams have. But when you look at the start of the season, it's, it's unfortunate that we have to start in Bahrain just because it, we were just kind of there when you look at the races. So um, it, it would have been nice to get to somewhere else first and then maybe get to back to Bahrain, but that's just kind of how things worked out. It'll be nice to have just 
cars back on track. So I don't think there'll be too many complaints. But then after that, getting, uh, of course, confirmed Imola, but then likely Portugal after that as well is going to be great because we were maybe hoping that one of the two or maybe something else would be that kind of to be confirmed track. But if we're getting two of those, then that's just fantastic. And obviously, we're both a big fan uh, of Portugal, and Imola was pretty solid as well, a historical track in that sense, um, yes. and a kind of a new addition there in Portimao. So um, very excited to see both of those return and early in the schedule as well. It'll be interesting to see how those races kind of differ from last year, given the teams actually have data to pull from going into the weekend mm-hmm. as well, um, which might be kind of an underrated aspect going into those races. But... Uh, teams now are going to have more time to develop their cars because the rate, the season isn't starting as early as it would have still have to figure out what's going to go on with preseason testing, because again, they're not going to be able to test in Barcelona right now. So we don't know what that situation will be. It might be something where they kind of spend a month in Bahrain and two weeks of that are spent testing a week off. And then the, the week after that uh, it's race weekend in Bahrain, something like that. Uh, I don't know what the situation will be, but it's nice to see that we're getting postponed and, uh, postponements and not outright cancellations so far. Yeah, if, if China does end up making a return to the calendar, we could be looking at 24 races on the calendar this season, not just 23. Yeah. If they decide to put China in there somewhere, if they can sneak it in, I don't know where they will, but if they can, that's 24 yeah. races. It, and it's I probably feel, I feel unlikely like it's, at this yeah, point, I, but it would be pretty damn cool if they could figure it out. I feel like then you're a little bit you're definitely on the overloading side of things with the with the amount of production travel that needs to go on and everything. It's just probably best uh, to just keep it off the calendar for this season and then reassess for 2022. There are some rumblings among the industry a little bit as well that the next gen generation of car for Formula One could be back, moved back another year as well, but that's nowhere near confirmed. There's just a little bit of rumors on that front. So hopefully that is not the case. We'd like to see the next generation of Formula One sooner rather than later, but it does provide an interesting tidbit to this upcoming season and uh I'm excited for Imola, and I'm excited for hopefully Portugal to be that third race as well. And it's good to just get Bahrain, I think, out of the way to start the season. I'm a huge fan of that track. I really like it under the lights and everything like that. But like you said, it ended the season kind of last year. Now I think we can get it done as soon as we can this year, and then we just have to kind of forget about it for at least another year kind of thing. So uh, to your point there, a little bit on Bahrain, I don't know if they would test there because I feel like it's a bit difficult for travel-wise to get the parts and everything down to Bahrain and, and, and whatnot. I would think they would pick something a little closer to home, maybe something like Silverstone. I know the UK is having a lot of going uh, That's the on problem, with COVID right, right now. Because like, everybody getting to Silverstone at this point is extremely unlikely. So is it going to be possible somewhere in Europe? Maybe. They, maybe when you when you go a month and a half down the road, something opens up. But as of right now, it's at least looking at the situation for me, it's probably going to be something where testing is going to have to be done somewhere where you can spend like a month, and and that might just be Bahrain to start the year. No, fair enough. I, I completely understand where that side is. I hope I hope that's not the case to be honest, because I. I would like to see them test somewhere else other than Bahrain. They've, they've had their time in the limelight. I love the track, but at the same time, it's good to try a little bit of something different. But if it's not in Barcelona, I can't really complain. I'm not going to be on. I'm going to be honest. Like it's, it's probably better if it's not in Barcelona. So yeah, 
That does it for uh, the confirmation on the F1 side of things. And that's all the news and notes that I have for today's episode. A bit of a short one, but we can get into the, the meat of things here, Kyle. Yeah, we, we can. The, the fun thing uh, that we've been looking forward to. Uh, since kind of last season, we kind of poked at it a little bit. We, we threw it out there late in the year. And then now we're actually sticking to it here and going with this theme. Yeah, I so, think, was this one of the ideas that we kind of tossed on during one of the shows? So. And we were like, hey, you know what? We should write that down. That's a good idea. I believe so. Uh, so I'll be sharing my screen now. A bit of an interesting one. We never usually have to do this for <laughs> yeah. our calls, but uh, we will take uh, the precaution here in doing that. So here we go. Ladies and gentlemen of uh, the jury, we have got some very fun tracks in store for you guys here today. <sighs> All right. I think uh, I'll let you start this off here, Kyle. We've got Mark. Well, so we'll get into the tiers yeah. first. So Elite. Obviously, the best of the best. You're, you're not going to top this track, basically, on the NASCAR Cup Series calendar. There can be multiple that goes in there. I imagine there will be. Yeah. Good. Just that tier, just below Elite. You, you get a, a good sense coming out of that, going in and out of that track, basically every time a race occurs there. Average middle of the playing field. Just, you know, they're, they're decent. They can have a good race. They can definitely have a bad race that is straight average. Needs work is the second-to-last category. It's something that we think that there maybe could be some potential, but more often than not, they kind of suck. Uh, that's basically what that one comes down to. And parking lot is the last fun one we've got going on. Just literally <laughs> pave over it and make it a parking lot, shopping mall, whatever you want to call it. <laughs> we'll just put something there instead of that racetrack because it is just an horrendous piece of structure. So quite the range in terms of our tiers, but this is going to be a bit of a fun one. So, I'll let you start off today with Martinsville Speedway. We'll go in order with the tracks that we've got at the bottom here. Martinsville, where are you thinking this one goes? I think it's pretty obvious where it would go, but I'll, I'll let you make your case. <laughs> well, obviously, it's parking lane. No, of course. Martinsville, it's fantastic. It's one of the few short tracks that we've had on the schedule. It's always fantastic. Just look at the last time we were over there for crying out loud. That bad boy needs to be an elite. <sighs> no arguments here. Yes. No arguments here. Easy. You don't have Martinsville Easy. in elite. That is... Uh, you're you're basically brainwashed. You, you got something really <laughs> wrong if you don't think Martinsville is an elite racetrack. The oldest track on the NASCAR Cup Series calendar. It's provided great racing since its inauguration all the way back when the sport started. And it still continues to deliver each time we go there. And uh, can't wait for it to be the penultimate race once again for the NASCAR Cup Series season in 2021. Now we get on to a bit of an interesting one for myself. Yeah, we go from uh, a super easy one to a tough one kind of to put in here. Yeah, Richmond Raceway. See, this is a tough one because, oh, you think immediately short track. It's got to be up there with good elite even maybe when you look at the, the likes of the other two that will most likely go into that category later on. But Richmond is a, is a track that has gone through so many different kinds of scheduling changes, day or night, different kinds of traction compound maybe put on it when they go high or low. It's just a hit or miss race. And I feel like it's just a plain average racetrack. Uh, for myself, I will hear an argument, maybe you put it into good, but more often than not, it's the long runs at Richmond that just continue to drag out. It's just a, a long run from each stage to each stage, not too much contact. There have been some great moments over the years. I know I'm a Kyle Busch fan, and 2008 sticks out to a lot of people's minds if you're a Dale Hart Jr. fan to the, oh, we turned him, no, no, into turn three. <laughs> but besides that, there has been, you know, obviously the payback there in the later race in 2008 as well from Jr. to Kyle. 
But besides you got to get to that in there. <laughs> no, I, I have to be fair. I'm not going to just be okay, like, well, Kyle okay. took Junior out. Junior did uh, retaliate there in, in the fall race. But Richmond is just a bang straight average track to me. I, I feel like they have some really good races, but then off the, more often than not, I feel like it's just uh, it's leaving you wanting more. So what are you thinking for Richmond? Do you, do you think I've got it right, or uh, are we putting this in a different category? Yeah, I think that's solid where it is. I, I don't think I'll move it from where you have it, but when I look at Richmond, it's a track that has a lot of potential, and it's just something where the track itself and the package or anything like that just kind of hasn't meshed well at this point and it's just kind of made it an average to honestly maybe even needs work track and if you make some changes to it maybe it can become that good tier track once again but as it is right now I think average is very fair I would lean more towards needs work than good honestly but I'm very content where it is I feel like it's gone downhill even more so over the past three or four yes. years. Uh, before that, I would maybe put it even in good. But but since then, they've had some pretty long runs to end races, namely key races, because this was the playoff opener for a lot of years or the playoff cut line. It was just kind of – or not the playoff cut line, but the last race getting into the, the playoffs. So it is a very interesting race uh, for when that was on the schedule. But for right now, it's kind of – in the playoffs right there, but it's just that second race in that, in that first round, it doesn't leave, it leaves a little bit more to be desired. So I think average goes with that one. You got another great one. Here, I know uh, it's it, the third one. Worked, it, out, it seems, well. Yeah. worked out well for you here. Come on. It's yeah. a super speedway. It's quintessential NASCAR. It's going in elite. When you look at Talladega, it's always so much fun, especially with the current package that they have. It's always a banger. It's always close finishes. It's always exciting. It's easy. Yeah, uh, I, I, you know, I was skeptical with Super Speedway Racing for a little bit. You know, it's not it, – but since this package has come – It's so good uh, on this package. It's just super, super entertaining. And they don't go single file against the wall as much anymore, if any, uh, in the past couple of instances on these kinds of tracks. And Talladega always provides an exciting finish, I believe even more so than Daytona. Because remember, that start-finish line is a little bit past <laughs> the, the, where it usually is if they don't point it out in the, in the broadcast. Uh. But uh, Talladega is definitely uh, a must-watch event. If you, if you go to the track, they're investing a lot into the, the fan experience. And now into uh, – I mean, the, the racing has just always been – pretty exceptional there at, at Talladega. So nothing more needs to be said. It is an elite NASCAR Cup Series track. Dover. Interesting. Um, yes. I get, I'm getting all the tough ones here. And it's going to need work for me. Uh, it's, it's a track that I'm not the biggest fan of. Uh, very much like Richmond gets the long runs. Uh, a guy can kind of dominate. It's not too much of a different uh, – kinds of racing lines there is the high line in three and four more so than one and two i i would say um but more often than not dover just doesn't really provide that excitement uh that i'm looking for it's a feels like a long race it feels like it drags on a bit 400 miles around the one mile track it is fast i'll give it that the the monster mile it's got a great name but uh the racing product itself needs i think quite a bit of work so i'm going to keep it there yeah, I, uh, I like it kind of where you put it here. I, I think that you can make it definitely a strong argument to put it up an average, but again, it, it's kind of, it's not to the same degree as Richmond here, but um, when you look at the current car and you look at the track, it just isn't meshing well and it's, it's resulted in some 
pretty boring races. Um, it, it's got the potential to be a track that's all the way up and good if the, if the cars work on it and the track's uh, good for it. That's just not where we are right now. So, yeah, I, I think it's very fair and needs work. Yeah. Uh, I, 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 yeah, that's where I put it. I agree with you what you said there. So, nice, nice. Um, New Hampshire. New Hampshire Motor Speedway, Kyle. Yes, New Hampshire. Um, I don't know about you, but I think this might be the most bang average track in NASCAR because <laughs> you've got some moments which are pretty exciting, um, it, it, but you, most of the time it's just kind of decent. It, it, it's, it's, there's nothing special to it. Um, it maybe uh, if, if the, the last couple races there were a little bit uh, more of snooze fest, uh, maybe it ends up in a needs work, but I think that this is like one of the most average tracks in NASCAR. Fair enough. Uh, I'll, I'll put it in average there. Would you say it's above or below Richmond? No, no, no. Richmond needs to be at the top end because that's a track that's got potential. I think New Hampshire, no matter what you do to it, is probably going to be an extremely average track. See, I, re- I I like New Hampshire quite a bit. I wouldn't say it's like a good tier. I think it's like very high on the average kind of category for me because the fuel mileage strategies that we've seen in the past at this track have just been exceptional. Just the intense moments, especially when it was in the playoffs. It's just kind of ever since it's gone from two races to one, I can understand that scheduling change. They made the right decision moving it down yeah. to one, but it does get rid of that kind of element of maybe that fuel mileage, especially with the stages right now. It does take that away a little bit more. It's one of the shortest races of the season, only 301 laps. So I can understand where you're coming from with average. So I'm, I'm happy to keep it in that category. <sighs> yes. The next one, one next. is, Oh, this is going 100% in the lead. There's no argument. This is the best mile and a half track on the NASCAR Cup Series Absolutely. calendar. No doubt about it. Soft spot in my heart for being the championship finale since I've become a NASCAR fan apart from this past season. It's just the, the greatest way to end a season in my opinion, and I feel like they messed it up with putting Phoenix as the finale. Homestead is just the perfect way to put a, a, a closing chapter on the book of a season starting in Florida, ending in Florida. It's just a great way to end the NASCAR cup series season provides great racing. You can ride the wall. You can go down low tire fall off everything that you want from a mile and a half track. This has it. It just delivers each time. I cannot remember a track, a race that I did not like at Homestead. Even when the leader's out to a big lead, I find it entertaining because there's always people moving around the track, looking for grip, looking for that extra inch over their competition. And Homestead Miami Speedway is just chef's kiss, the best mile and a half track, 1,000%. Yeah, I completely agree. It's easily the best mile and a half. Um, And although when you probably look at the rest of the tracks that end up in the elite tier, it maybe doesn't have like the same like history and and mystique as some of those. But when you look at the racing itself, it's always amazing. Um, As you mentioned, the way that there's so many different lanes to go to, um, it, it should still be the championship race it's unfortunate it isn't i wish we had two dates for it now that it isn't the championship race but hopefully that comes down the road absolutely an elite tier track yeah 100 percent. if you don't have homestead miami speedway and elite very similar to martinsville you're out of your goddamn <laughs> mind um kansas speedway we move on to a second mile and a half track here yeah and i, I think we're starting pretty strong with the mile and a half kind of section of it because I think Kansas is probably one of the stronger mile and a halves, nowhere near Homestead, because Homestead's untouchable as the best. But yeah. I think Kansas 
consistently provides pretty solid, good racing. Uh, it's unfortunate the way that uh, the, the last race went with kind of the, the arrow and everything kind of dominating the, the, the discussion afterwards. But Kansas is always a good track when, when the cars aren't as aero dependent. We'll see that again. Um, so I think it's very comfortable for me in the good tier. Yeah, I'm. Uh, I, I when they repaved it, I wasn't the greatest fan of it because nobody can control their car. But now <laughs> that the track is aged over the past eight years now, it is actually a, a pretty solid mile and a half track. It's got the perfect line where you can run the wall and still make time. You can run the bottom and still make time, and even run the middle and still make time. It's got three different lanes. I think it could become similar to Homestead as the track ages as well. Just having that nice fine line. It's it's got yeah. cautions when you need it. Uh, even more so than Homestead, I'd say it provide it's it's got a faster pace to it, obviously with the the, the more grip that that track has. But Kansas, it, I think, has delivered quite a bit over the past five or six years. I'd say as the track has kind of cured into itself with the pavement. So definitely happy to keep this in the good category. All right, uh, how did saw, this happen? <laughs> it's a fun one. I, I honestly did not look at, at this beforehand to to make it seem like I get this track, but. I know a lot of people are going to probably have a gripe with this one, but I think this is a good racetrack. I think Auto Club Speedway, it's not elite. I, I won't go that far. I know <laughs> that there is times where it can drag on a bit. It's my first – I've said it multiple times on the show. This is the track I went to my first ever NASCAR race, and it's got a soft spot in my heart just for that alone. But the racing product, I feel like, is actually pretty damn solid. They've got uh, multiple lines you can run. Restarts are always fun to watch at All the Club Speedway. Four and five wide going into turn one, the sweeping turn. Then who wants to take the high line and take the, the bump draft on somebody in front of them down the back straightaway, sending them off in a three going down to the apron. It's just got such a great diverse uh, characteristics at that track. Tire fall off. We, <laughs> you think back to the 2014 race where everybody blew a tire like every 50 15, 20 laps. That was always, that was pretty funny. Um, but besides that, I think they have late race caution sometimes where it provides some excitement and uh, I'm pretty happy with keeping auto club in the good category. I agree. I, I really like auto club. Um, it, it's a, especially prior to, uh, to the further restrictions on engine power it was so, so, so fast down that front stretch. And just hearing the cars roar, um, I can only imagine what it was like seeing it live. Um, but no, I, I really like Goosebumps. Auto Club. Um, it, it's a massive track. And we've seen with another track that we'll get to later where it doesn't work. Mm -hmm. But at Auto Club, I quite like it a bit as for many of the reasons that you mentioned. So I'm very okay keeping it in the good category. Bravo, good sir. Bravo. Thank you for agreeing with me on that. I know a lot of the NASCAR fan base may think something different on it. It's going to the short track in a couple of seasons time. So uh, we're only going to get one more race, it seems, at Auto Club Speedway in its current formation yeah. before they shift it down into a short track, unfortunately. I have to say, one of the two-mile tracks that we have on the calendar, this should not be the one that's going into <laughs> a short track. I'll say that. So I also wish it wasn't because one's much closer to me than the other one. But Yeah, exactly. Um, it is unfortunate, but we, speaking of short tracks, we've got our third and final one already here, Kyle. And I mean, it's pretty no brainer. <laughs> I got, I got the easy ones apparently because Bristol is going in elite. Now, if we had the dirt, it would go in the parking lot, but Bristol absolutely. It is basically a parking elite. lot if it is dirt. Well, there you go. But Bristol but, is 
arguably the best track in NASCAR. And honestly, I don't think it is all, all that arguable. It consistently is amazing, amazing racing. Just look at the two races we had last year for crying out loud. It is so, so good. And it's a damn shame that we're only getting one of those next year. Exactly. Um, we, we put in it above Martinsville 100%. Yeah. 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 Okay. Fair enough. I know some people like Martinsville a little bit more than Bristol, but I don't think that's even remotely true. Uh, well, Bristol on, the, deliver- on that topic, Talladega above or below Martinsville? I don't know. Um, I'll say Martinsville is still above Talladega for me. Okay. Okay. I I I, I like that. I'll, I'll keep it there. I, I, I think Martinsville, it's got that X factor a little bit where it doesn't really get to a dry point. Lap traffic always comes into play uh, when 25 laps into a yeah. run. I think I think it's a, a great uh, atmosphere at that track as well. It's got some iconic moments. So I think Interesting that's, a, that's one a, coming up, though. Indianapolis. So we're going to go with the road course yes. version, I guess, of this one. Um, we haven't seen this on the Cup Series calendar as of yet, making its uh, debut this upcoming season, uh, Xfinity Series race there this past year, which kind of prompted this move to move uh, to the uh, road course instead of the oval. The famed Indianapolis oval that the Indy cars run on for the Indianapolis 500, that is no longer the case in 2021. So it's a bit of a tough one to kind of rate this one. So when I watch the Xfinity Series race and when I watch IndyCar races on that track, it does give me quite a bit of hope. Uh, I love the Indianapolis kind of oval as itself. I think it is an underrated track. I don't think that we needed to get off of it. I think it would have been fine if we kept it on the famed oval instead of going to the road course with peer pressure from fans. I, I think that it is a, a pretty solid racetrack. I know passing is limited, but there is something about racing at the Bricks at Indy that has a bit of a, a sentimental value for the drivers and for the teams. But for the road course, this is tough. Um I'll put it in I'll put I'll put it in average for right now because I don't know what to expect. I need to see a race on it first, but I'm I'm optimistic from the Xfinity series race, but at the same time a little bit hesitant. I'll put it behind Richmond. Um but yeah, what do you, what do you think about that with that ranking? It's okay in average, but I would bump it up to good. Um okay. I, I just based on okay, you don't have a lot to go off of. But I loved the Xfinity Series race there. It's a track that has a lot of history. Um, Hell, the the road course is held Formula One Grand Prix for crying out loud. Um, So I understand putting it in average because we don't have a Cup Series race on there to actually judge it yet. But I would personally bump it up to to the good tier. If if you are are wanting to keep it in average, I'm okay with that. But I, I I I would put it on the bottom end of good with hope that it can maybe move higher in the good tier or maybe even hell, maybe if it's a banger, maybe it someday ends up in elite, but I, I would like it in good. Okay. I will hear that. I think no matter what, it will be the last one in good because we can't make a you don't have enough assessment yeah. on it. Yeah. So, but I'm happy to move it up to good. I can understand that for sure. So I'm, I'm happy with that, but you get, you get another nice one here, Kyle. Darlington Raceway, the throwback weekend, yes. two time on this upcoming calendar as well for the for the first time in a while. Darlington, it is one of those quintessential NASCAR tracks. It's so so unique because of the way that the the, the corners are. It's different for each one. Put that bad boy in elite, absolutely. Bad boy, I love this track so much. Where are you putting it? Um. Behind it's, Talladega? It's up to you, but I would actually argue maybe ahead of Talladega. No, I am 
I'm happy with yeah. I would I would put it ahead of Talladega below Martinsville still. Very much happy with that. I am oh, yeah. a huge fan of Martinsville. Oh no, no Darlington. A and, huge and when fan they, of Darlington. And when they let the cars loose again this year, putting it back up to the 750 horsepower package. Just look at the Xfinity Series races this year. Yes, oh, please. Oh, I cannot wait. Yes, please. Uh, Darlington, just the the greatest unique oh. track that we have on the calendar. Uh, totally different size than compared to anything else yep. aside from Nashville. Now that it's on the calendar, but. It's a 1.3 mile track. Got an awkward layout. Uh, different corners on on both sides. Um, it's got a great atmosphere from the from the grandstands. It's just yes, yes. powering stands on the front straightaway, and uh, obviously throwing uh, hosting the Throwback Weekend doesn't. That's got to factor in well. too, right? Like it, it, the no, Throwback's the best. The whole thing, the fan experience, yeah. the, the actual what it means to it, um, what they actually host at that track, Darlington. I'm very happy to put in the elite category. Move on to another mile and a half track here at, at, with Atlanta Motor Speedway, a track that we've seen uh, on the calendar multiple times, but it is going uh, back to multiple times this upcoming yes. season for the first time in a while. So Atlanta Motor Speedway's had some pretty solid races, in my opinion, and I'm going to put it in – I think it's a good track. I think it is a good track. I don't think it's average. I think it's probably like middle tier, a little bit of, probably above that of the mile and a half tracks that we have on the calendar. It's got some great tire fall off. We see some comers and goers. Who wants to take tire strategy? Um, it's usually a four tire sp- stop nonetheless on, on all stops, but who wants to burn their tires up early in the run? Who saved them enough later in the run that they can capitalize on the people that did burn them up? Kevin Harvick is the ace around there running the bottom line. Is He's just superb at that in all series that he's run at that track. He's basically the king of that place, as, as he is at a couple of other places. But Atlanta's Motor Speedway, I think, provides the opportunity of having some interesting finishes over the years. Uh, you know, we think back to 2001 with Kevin Harvick and Jeff Gordon. Oh, the classic. Carl Edwards and Jimmy Johnson. I mean, there's just so many great finishes at Atlanta Motor Speedway. Not as much maybe as recently uh, as we would have liked, but I'll, keep, I'll stick with my uh, stance and keep it in good. I like it in good as well. Um, It's just so hard on tires um, that being able to manage them is a factor. Um, And it's just different in that regard because we don't see any track like it where it destroys the tires that quickly because you could go and take a stop. You can run a lap and a half and a caution comes out and you probably need to take tires again. Like it's, uh, it's great in that regard. Um, we're probably getting close to the point where it kind of tips over that scale and you, you have to pave it at some point. Um, But for now, I think it's very solid in the good category. Yeah. When you think back to the 2011 finish with Jeff Gordon and Jimmy Johnson, I mean, that's that's (laughs) basically as good as it gets with, with NASCAR. So I'm happy to keep it in good there. A bit of a one that I definitely have a strong stance on and I'm hoping you do too, but we've got Michigan international speedway. Oh, Michigan is elite. No, uh, Michigan, Michigan, Michigan. It's the track that's closest to me, I guess, technically, but I've never actually been there. So it's not like anything Good. that holds sentimental Good. value. So it gets bumped higher. Uh, Michigan's going in parking lot. Um, thank you. It, it thank needs, you. Thank you. It needs changes. And of the two two-mile tracks there, it should be the one becoming a short track. It's unfortunate Ugh. that we're losing auto club but gaining a short track in that regard. Cause it's great to get the short track, but I would rather keep auto club as well. And it's all this kind of stuff. 
if only we could just get rid of Michigan and make it the short track instead. Look, there's promise to it, but especially with this package, it's just boring. And there's no other way to say it. And I know you you hold much stronger feelings than I, and I even put it in a parking lot, but it's just it just needs a lot of work. It sucks. Like it's a bad track. Like this place sucks. Um, I never look forward to a Michigan race, if I'm being no. honest. Um, in the summer months, especially, like when we're, you know, when I was younger, you know, trying to plan a vacation or something like that. I always wanted to go to a NASCAR race, and I look at the ones in the summer, Pocono, Michigan. I'm like, are you kidding me? This is the tracks that we have available during the summer months when everybody's out of school and could probably go to a race. Instead, you've got like some other ones in the summer, in the spring months when you would rather go to those and you can't. Michigan is just a terrible track. Um, it just two one line you can't run the wall you can't run anywhere you have to follow the guy behind you especially nowadays yeah. there used to be a couple of times when we had fuel mileage back in like 08 09 uh and 10 but besides that i can't really name a good michigan race that i've seen yeah. at this track uh, it's just something that needs to be changed about it I, I would prefer if it was just wiped off the calendar uh, uh, itself um i'm happy that it's going down to one race this upcoming season as well like thank god they finally make that change i cannot believe it took them that long to realize that it needs to be changed like two races at michigan and another one we'll talk about a little bit later uh, is just so stupid so stupid so (laughs) michigan happy to put it in parking lot i I would rather than just bulldoze it put yeah put the parking lot right over top of it i think it would be better served used as that i know it's the motor city but it's not as important as it used to be with Detroit and Michigan as it used to be with uh, with the manufacturers and stuff like that. I know it's Ford's playground and everything like that. They want to do well, and they've proven that over the past couple of seasons that they really invest time into running well there. But I can live without Michigan definitely for the rest of my life being on the Cup Series. Manager, <laughs> I'll say that. So another one here that I don't really have anything to go off of for the Cup Series, Kyle. Exactly. Road America. Um I'm going to – I have more optimism in the Indianapolis road course than Road America. It's just a bit too long for me to say that it's going to be as action-packed as something like Indianapolis. It's a longer layout. It's going to be the longest, I think, track of the entire calendar this upcoming season. So I'm going to put it in the bang average category for right now. Yeah. Um, I, I don't really know – what to expect from it with these cars and, and, you know, Chase Elliott has the, the promise of dominating this race and it just being an absolute dud. But we have seen in the past in the Xfinity series that there have been some exciting finishes, last lap corner banging coming to the start finish line or some fuel mileage races. It has provided some good Xfinity series racing, but I am a little bit more skeptical on this one than the Indianapolis road course. I think that's the fairest one probably yet, just because we don't know what to expect from it. So just put it at the bottom end of average and we'll see where it goes after this season, just because we don't have enough to really pull from. Exactly. You've got the next one with Nashville Super Speedway. Yeah, well, this is kind of similar in vain to Road America, where I think you you toss it an average for right now and see what it produces after this season. Uh, I'll I'll put it ahead of Road America for now, I think. Um, there's some cautious, uh, cautiousness with the track just because it is kind of a cookie cutter, but it is a little bit shorter. It's not the mile and a half. It's a mile and a third or, or, or 1.3 or whatever um, yeah, the, the exact one yeah. is. But um, we don't really know what to expect from it. Um, 
So uh, average is fine. We haven't been there for a while either. So it's not mm-hmm. like we can pull from like any Xfinity or truck series races <laughs> from the last couple of years to maybe try and infer what it would be in the cup series. Like you can with the likes of the Indy road course or even road America. You can't do so with Nashville because it's been so long since any NASCAR has, uh, series has been there. So stick it in average. We'll see what it comes up with after the season. I'm hopeful with it, but average is definitely the way to go with this one. Yeah. You can't put it any higher than the ones that are established. And in I don't the cup think calendar. you can put it any lower either. No, I, I agree. So. I, I can't say that it needs work until we see something on it. But exactly, uh, we move on to Phoenix International Championship Raceway. Race. Championship race, a track I've gone to myself as well. My dad's been here. Yeah, so. this is a, it's an interesting facility. Uh, they've definitely changed it since the last time I went there with putting the start finish line on the other side. They bulldozed the grandstands where I actually sat for the race I went there where the RVs are now parked on the, wow. I guess, is then Lucas, back. Is Lucas streetways. also the Bowman curse? Maybe. <laughs> yeah, maybe the case. But this race, I'm going to put it in average. Um, okay, okay. This, it pains me to do it because I, I am a – I always am a little bit more biased to the West Coast stuff because I think we do need a little bit more out on this side of the United States and of North America. But the racing itself is just hit or miss. And I don't I, – I like the kind of dynamic that they've done with changing the restart location so that they have the dog laid where they can swoop down a little bit, make that a little bit more entertaining. But more often than not, it's just kind of meh, meh. It's like – is what it is. There's not too many opportunities for passing. You can get the high line going, it seems, with this traction compound, so that's nice. But if they overdo it with the traction compound, then it becomes a definite one-groove racetrack. So Kevin Harvick dominates this place most of the time, uh, maybe not for the past couple of seasons. But before that, it was just kind of the Kevin Harvick show. You kind of knew what to expect when you went to, to Phoenix. I don't like that as the championship finale. I think it could be a playoff race. It doesn't have to be a playoff race, in my opinion, but I'm, I'm happy that it, it – it, I'm happy if it stays that way. I just definitely don't think it should be the championship finale. Yeah. Uh, average is, is good for this one. Um, I, I would think about maybe putting it ahead of Richmond on the average ranking. I know like you like Richmond a bit more than me, so I would be okay leaving it as is. Um, but yeah, it's just not a championship worthy race. And I think that's the sentiment a lot of people have. It's a fine race. But when you put a fine racetrack and make it literally the most important race of the season in terms of the yeah. championship, it, it, it just kind of takes away from the value of the race itself. Because if, if Phoenix did it, let's say we did this a couple of years ago and Homestead is still a championship race and Phoenix is still its race on its own. I think we're probably talking about Phoenix in, in nicer regard. It's probably still an average track and it probably ends up where it is still but we don't talk about it in the negative sense that we do now because it's the championship race and it's put on this pedestal that it just can't match. Yeah. I think it could be a round of eight track. If you wanted to maybe bump out a mile and a half track, you know, you have like Kansas, yeah. you probably think of bumping out Texas and then Martinsville. Well. Like I don't, I don't. <laughs> yeah. But you look at those three, I think that's a, a decent round of eight. It's got a lot of variety there. You got a short track, a one-mile track, and a mile and a half. I think it kind of checks all the boxes um, in terms of what you want from a round itself. But Phoenix is just kind of a meh track. It just doesn't give a, a whole lot. I liked it better when it was more of a cutoff race. It felt like it was more 
there was more energy, more excitement around it, more so than the championship race <laughs> than this past season, which is which is really weird to say, but I felt like that was the case at least for myself. So um, I'm happy to keep it in average there. Move on to another one here, Kyle Pocono Raceway. Pocono. Um, <laughs> I might I might get some pushback from you on this one. But oh, I'm going to put it in needs work and and put it there, and then I'll we'll probably end up moving it down. But let me just get through it. It's an extremely unique track that needs a lot more. Or it just, I don't know. I just feel like there's some potential there, maybe, <laughs> just because it's such a unique and, and kind of cool track that intrigues me still. And and I think about uh, the finish with Ryan Blaney and, and Kevin Harvick there at the end, I believe it was. Um, yeah. Like, that's, that's Pocono at its best because there's so much room to work with. So you got to block all the way down to the bottom, come back up for the turn, all that kind of stuff. So there's some potential to, to the track. It's just most of the time it ends up being this news fest where everybody gets 15 seconds apart um, and, and there's nothing really to it. So I can fully understand if you get to it and you want to put it down in parking lot and I'll probably agree with you and we'll put it in parking lot. But I feel like there, there's a little bit to it that maybe still keeps me holding on, even though I know it's going to suck every time. We're putting it in parking lot, buddy. I know. I'm sorry. I know. Um, this track sucks. Um, it's not as bad as Michigan. No, we'll put I'll it ahead put, of Michigan. We'll put it ahead of Michigan. But this track sucks. Um, <laughs> the the weather is always a big issue in Pocono. And the amount of times I've had a practice session, a qualifying session, or a race delayed in that track is just absolutely <laughs> ridiculous. Or a track, or, or the race gets cut short due to rain is ridiculous. Same to go with Michigan as well. The amount of rain stuff that we've had there. I think that has to come into play as well. Just the terrible conditions that we always deal with when we're at these two facilities. Pocono, too big of a gap between drivers as the race goes on. I don't understand how they get such a big gap because there's only three corners. I appreciate what it stands for in terms of being the tricky triangle. It's something totally unique, something totally different. I, t I respect the heck out of it for that. But when I want to watch racing, it is definitely not at Pocono or Michigan, um, especially since I said this yeah. earlier. It is in the summer months of the year, and you think in the summer months it wouldn't rain, but it does every single time. I feel like in Pocono, it's absolutely ridiculous. And the racing product, it doesn't really give me much. Um, I can think of maybe one or two times where I was actually excited for a Pocono race at the end of a, at the end of a race. Yeah. The, the 2017 Ryan Blaney, Kevin Harvick won. An intriguing storyline there for Blaney going for his first win. And I think back to the 2015 fuel mileage race in the fall one where Logano and Kyle Busch are racing for it. Logano runs out, then Kyle runs out on the final lap and Matt Kenseth steals the win right. on the, on the fi final lap. But besides that, I couldn't really name a Pocono race that, that entertained me. It's, it's seen some vicious wrecks with Jeff Gordon, Jimmy Johnson when they lose breaks and stuff like that. Bubba Wallace recently. Exactly. There's been some instances like that where it kind of takes your breath away and not in, in the good sense. It, yeah. it does scare you a little bit. So I think Pocono, there's, I, I, I would prefer it not to be on the schedule, but I do appreciate it that NASCAR <laughs> is taking it into one weekend and then getting rid of it for the rest of the year where they yeah. have the doubleheader shortening the races because it was a better Pocono race this past year when they did shorten the races. I will give them that. But when it was a longer one, I, I, I could care less about the race, like, honestly. <laughs> and I hate to say that because I, I, love, I love watching NASCAR, but these two tracks specifically deserve to be parking lots, and I'm sorry to say that. 
Yeah, no, it, it's completely fair. And I knew that was going to happen. I just want to play devil's advocate for a little bit. I, I do right. like it uh, more than you do. But you know what? We bumped up Indy when I requested it so we can bump down Pocono for you. I think this is a bit of a more extreme case. I mean, yeah, but, I mean, I'll, I'll, I'll let it slide. All right, you know, let's, get, let let's get to, back to the positivity with, with the Roval, though. Exactly. Um, I think this is uh, – no, this is mine, is it not? You yes, did, you yes. did Pocono. Yes, so we've got the Roval here. New, newish to the calendar, I'd say. I'd still call uh, it new. Yeah, uh, I guess one, two, three. This is coming up in its fourth race this upcoming year. So, yeah. Um, Chase Elliott, obviously the king of this place, it seems for right now, amongst all of road courses. But the Roval, man, this is very, very tough. But I'll, I'll, I'll put it in elite for now. Wow. I'll put, okay. I'll put, it, I'll put it in elite because I have a. I mean, this track has got a lot of potential to it, and uh, there's a lot of elements to it that I really, really like. Uh, it's got the the restart zone that. Under green, you are going faster than when you are going on a restart, if you didn't know Jeff Burton. But uh, it is – I mean, I think it goes – it deserves to go into elite because Jeff Gordon – Jeff Burton, excuse me, messed up in the NBC <laughs> sports car in the final chicane. Uh, just pure comedy if you haven't seen that. But uh, with all jokes aside, the Roval, it's, it's an interesting track. I think it's delivered each time. This past time, it was a little less exciting than the previous two. But – I would say that's a little bit of an off year for the Roval. Uh, was kind of a weird instance where it was kind of wet at the beginning, and then it transitioned into into dry. And Chase Elliott just kind of had the race on lock. But for the racing itself, I think uh, you've got exciting restarts. There's always chaos. It seems around every single turn. Um, I'm willing to bump it down to the top end of good. I think is probably uh, a little bit better. But for right now, I'll say it's elite. It just doesn't have the longevity yet for me to be able to put it in elite. I, okay. I would put it at the top end of good, um, right at the right at the top, right at the top. Okay. But I I would Kansas. I <laughs> I wouldn't be prepared to put it in elite just yet because as you Fair mentioned, enough. we've only been there a handful of times. We've had some bangers. The end of the the Cup Series one this year wasn't as great as some of the rest of them. But I feel like give it a couple more years, and if we get two more just absolutely fantastic races, then I'd be comfortable putting it up with the rest of those elite tier ones. But my only concern is just that it came out of the gate so hot, and then maybe it just dies down a little bit here. Mm -hmm. And so I'll keep it high-end good for now. But, I mean, if we're being honest, if we get another banger this year, I'm probably putting it elite after this year. Yeah, if you get three out of the four as yeah. elite races, yeah. you kind of have to put it in elite. But I totally respect that. I probably was a little bit too high on it, but I was pretty. No, no, no. I, I, I like two. it, and, and I think no. the races we've had there so far do make an elite track. But do I really want to put a little it bit there more history, a little like bit to it? Homestead, yeah, I can understand it. So fair enough for me. Fair but, enough. I mean, the the mile and a half counterpart of it does yes. have the history. We stay in Charlotte. Yes, but. I don't think it's a historical track that gets into the elite category for me. Um, mm -hmm. For me, I think this is a good mile and a half. It's got the history with okay. it, um, which probably bumps it up a little bit. Um, I'll put it uh, ahead of Atlanta, but still below Auto Club. I think that's a fair spot yeah, for Yeah, that's it. Charlotte for everybody that's watching. <laughs> yes. <laughs> <laughs> um, 
I, I, I like it. It's good. The, the, the 600 has the history, but it can drag on, obviously, being the longest race in NASCAR, <laughs> long obviously. <laughs> um, but I think for a mile and a half, uh, it's consistently really solid. Uh, so for me, it's comfortably in good. It has the history, but isn't the elite track that the rest of those kind of historical NASCAR tracks are. It's, the, it's kind of the home race for everybody, of course. No longer has the all-star race, which... I don't know helps or hurts it to be honest, mm-hmm. but for me, a very solid, good track. Yeah, I, I think Charlotte has delivered on multiple occasions over the years, whether that's fuel mileage in the 600 or an yeah. exciting finish to end the in the 600, or even in the playoff race when it had it on the mile and a half. I think they made the right call with going to the Roval and keeping it the 600 to exclusively yes. Yes. exclusively the, the Charlotte Oval. So I'll give them a check mark on that in terms of Charlotte and NASCAR cooperating on making that deal and trying something new with the Roval. But then for the actual Oval itself, I I totally agree that it should be good. I don't know if I would necessarily put it above Atlanta. I think they're probably very similar hand-in-hand for myself. Very, very similar, yeah. Totally different kinds of driving styles, different kinds of races, because tire wear isn't as big of a factor at Charlotte as Atlanta is. Nothing's really compared to Atlanta. But um, but I, I do appreciate the speed that Charlotte holds, and I do like the restarts quite a bit there. I think it just feels like a very congested uh, mile and a half as well. It doesn't feel as wide in the corner, so it does provide uh, exciting restarts, especially going down the back stretch. We've seen that multiple times in the 600 all-star race, you name it, uh, with this current package, especially when they're all bump drafting three, four wide down the back. But uh, Charlotte definitely is, is a good track. I wouldn't say it's, it's anywhere near elite, but I think it's, it's a solid mile and a half track. All right, coming up, coming up. We got oh, yeah. one of my favorite tracks here in Watkins Glen. I'm interested. Yes, thank you. Thank you. Um, I'm going to put it – I'll put it above Homestead. Um, uh, it's the best road course. I'm not going to put it above Talladega. Okay. But this road course is the best road course on the Cup Series calendar. Uh, full stop, as you like to say. Um, it is the – Oh, perfect road course. It's got the, the S's. It's got the, the harsh braking zone into one. Got the the, ch- the chicane or the bus stop on the back stretch. Got the sweeping right-hand turn. And then you got a punchy two-set corner stint to come back to the start-finish line. Not too long, not too short. The perfect size for a road course event, in my opinion. Got all the elements, heavy braking zones, fast corners, and uh, often, uh, more often than not, an exciting finish fuel mileage or somebody's right on their back bumper. We've seen the last two times we've been there in 2019 and 2018. J.C. Elliott and Martin Truex Jr. battling for the last 15, 20 laps or whatever it is at the end as they are just kind of hand in hand as they go down to, to the wire. But Watkins Glen, I love this track. It's provided some historic finishes over the years for the Cup Series. And uh, I don't see that changing in the future as well. So I'm very happy that it's going to be back on the calendar this upcoming season. Obviously, with COVID this past year, they couldn't race there, which is unfortunate because it is a must-watch event every single year. Uh, But I know you feel very similarly with Watkins Glen. Oh, I love this track so, so much. I I have it even higher, but I'll, I'll leave it there. I'm okay with it there. Okay. Um, but, man, I, I love this track. Uh, I'm a huge, huge road course guy. And when you look at Watkins Glen and NASCAR, it just meshes so, so, so perfectly for stock cars. Um, yeah. y- you mentioned the, the heavy braking zone into one. It, it's so easy to go wide there, or wheel hop or wheel anything hop, like yeah. that. Um, y- y- the, the S is there. The, the bus stop, the carousel is an underrated, tricky corner to get right exactly. as well. Yes. Um, and, and just everything about it is just perfect for me. So 
I absolutely love that track and easily the best road course on the schedule. I do appreciate as well with the broadcasting side of things that they've done the radio style for the past couple of times we've been there as well. So it's not yeah. so kind of bland every single lap where, you know, there may not be as many passing it. opportunities. We get to hear some different voice voices. Mike Bagley does a great job for Sirius XM. And uh, when he comes over and does the actual TV side of things, he does a great job. So, and, and Junior is always hilarious just in his kind of stint there in the, in the bus stop of, uh, of how he talks. So, uh, a very interesting side on the broadcasting, but also the on-tack product is probably what we're looking at the most here. It's just an all-around great event and something that I really hope to watch sometime uh, live at the actual facility itself. So we'll move on here to Sonoma Raceway, another road course here for yourself, Kyle. Yes, and uh, this is one that I, I had to think about a little bit here. Um, Sonoma is a, a road course that's been on the schedule for a while here. Um, but when you look at some of the other road courses on the schedule now, obviously Watkins Glen, nothing touches that. The Roval has been fantastic. Um, but Sonoma doesn't have those kind of same peaks that the other tracks do or not as often. Um, so Sonoma, even though it is a road course, even though it's been on the schedule for a while, I think it's an average track. What, what are your thoughts? Interesting. Interesting. Um, I would lean on the backside of good for it for myself. Yeah. Um, I think it's had some pretty solid racing in the past. I'm, I'm, I'm a bit skeptical on the decision that they've made to switch it. Uh, the, the layout of it where they have the sweeping left-hander now, like how the Indy cars race on it. Mm. I preferred it when they went down the hill and into the hard braking yeah. right-hander and then going down into the, uh, the another uh, heavy braking right-hander uh, instead of what they have now. I think it limits passing opportunities a little bit. But um, I, before that, I would say it's good, but I can definitely understand why it would be average. I think the last corner itself is pretty unique. I think but it's high-end average. But the time by the time they get there – Usually it's pretty spread out already, so and, and more so lately it hasn't been as entertaining. We didn't get to see it this past year as well with, mm -hmm. with COVID as well, but um, I'm happy to stick it in uh, in high end average. Where would you uh, where would you like this? Uh, maybe split it between uh, Richmond and Phoenix there. Okay, yeah, I'm I'm good with that. Uh, it's definitely the lesser of the three road courses that were previously on the calendar yes. before the new additions this upcoming season. So, um. Texas Motor Speedway. Uh, <laughs> Texas Motor Speedway. If you had asked me this about five years ago, six <laughs> years ago now, I would think much differently than what I do currently. Um, oh, man. This is, this is the tough one because this past race was pretty entertaining, I'm not going to lie, at Texas Motor Speedway. But uh, if it wasn't out for that result, I would definitely think otherwise. Um Damn, it's either needs work or parking lot for me uh, yeah. for Texas Motor Speedway. I'm going to leave it in needs work because I think if the track ages a little bit more, there is potential because they didn't touch three and four. And when it was kind of aged, it was pretty decent. They just destroyed it with the turn one and two. I hope that when it ages a little bit more, that it will be somewhat similar to what it was before because the turn one and two – I would argue was the best part of that track before they yeah. resurfaced it instead of three and four. Cause one and two, I felt like you could run higher than you could in three and four and, and it would actually be more of a gain. So I think it needs work. I think as time goes on, maybe it will become something. The traction compound definitely helped a little bit this past time, but 
I don't know. I don't like where it is in the schedule for that second race. I, I, I understand why they're moving it to the all-star race for this upcoming season. I think they are going to overdose on Texas, uh, but getting rid of one cup series race for it and putting an all-star race and then just one regular one makes sense to me. So I'll say that it needs work. I don't think it's as bad as what Pocono or Michigan is um, because it doesn't get as spread out. I think there is some excitement a little bit towards it now. But um, I think it's, it's gotten better since 2016. I will say that. I, over the years, I think it has progressed by fine margins each, each time we've gone there. But I, I, there's nowhere near average, nowhere near good, nowhere near elite. It's, I think it's definitely below Dover, but it's, 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 it needs work. Yeah, I would hear an argument for parking lot, certainly. But given how recently it was a good track, um, I, I would be comfortable putting it in needs work as well because there is that kind of long-term potential when it wears, maybe something can happen there. But they just kind of butchered it, <laughs> if we're being honest. Um, it was really, really solid before that. The repave, and it's just been crap ever since. The, as you mentioned, this past race maybe redeems it a little bit more than it probably should. Um, but you know what? The needs work needs a little bit of com uh, company there. So I'm okay putting Texas there. Yeah. Uh, I'm happy that you agree with that. Cause I was, I was unsure of it as you were coming down to the name. I was like, Oh, what am I mm -hmm. going to do? What am I going to do? Mm -hmm. But I, I do think needs work is probably an accurate place to keep Texas motor speedway. So we move into, I guess we can do double here. We'll say that we don't have the Daytona road course because it's not on yeah. this uh, tier maker, but we'll put the Daytona oval and then we'll just have to try and think of where we're going to put the road <laughs> course itself. But uh, you've got the Daytona International Speedway. Well, obviously it's elite for starters, but okay. where in elite? Because when you think of Daytona, it is NASCAR. But in terms of the on-track... Um, I think that I want to put I want to keep Bristol one, so I'll put Daytona right after it in a lead. Whoa. Okay. I may get a little hate for this, but I do think it is below Talladega in terms of excitement. Okay. Um, I do. Man, that's. I think they're they're very similar. Like there's characteristics to each. The five hundred just so adds so much to it. Because I know. it's the it, it most really anticipated does. race of the year for me. So even though I, I yeah, I, I think I'll, I, I would hear the argument that Talladega is the more exciting of the two super speedways. I think the lead up to the 500 and everything that is the Daytona 500 makes it still that second ranked one for me. I would, if this was me, I would put it at fourth. It's behind Martinsville and Darlington. For wow. Myself. Okay. Okay. Why don't we split I, I, the I difference did. and put it at three? Okay, we'll put Martinsville at two, Daytona. I, I, I'm okay with that. I, 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 I'm comfortable yeah. with no, that. This is yours. This is, this is your thing. I, I'll let uh, Daytona have its third spot. It's definitely an elite. If you don't think it's elite, you're out of your mind. But uh, If you Daytona don't think it's is, elite, you've never watched NASCAR in your life. Exactly. And most people do. If you don't even watch NASCAR on a regular basis, would, they, watch, they watch one. this like, one. <laughs> they, they watch this one. So uh, oh. Daytona is going to have – an historic place forever in NASCAR and uh, very much looking forward to the upcoming season debuting here on the high banks. Uh, well, I guess it's not really on the high banks this upcoming season. It is on the road course and we can talk about that briefly. Now we can kind of go between ourselves with this sure. one, but an Daytona road course, Kyle, it's an interesting one because we had a cup series race this past year uh, as it did replace Watkins Glen it kind of left a little bit more to be desired. It is going to be the second race this upcoming season as well with Auto Club not being on the calendar, but 
for the purposes of this tier maker, we did put it on here. Um, but the Daytona Road Course is an, is a very historic track for for the IMSA side of things, the endurance racing, obviously yeah. the Rolex Twenty Four coming up on uh, in the next couple of weeks. But for NASCAR, it, it I don't know if it's necessarily the right fit for this kind of car. And for that reason, I would say it's it's a bang average track. I would probably put it even below. New Hampshire uh, and yep. above Nashville and Road America for me, just because we don't know Nashville and Road America. But of the tracks that we've seen the Cup Series cars race on, I would put it below New Hampshire just because I was I was optimistic coming into it, but it, it kind of left a little bit more. I, I think that's perfectly fair because it doesn't have the history in NASCAR that kind of propels it forwards as a race to look forward to. Because last year was essentially the first time that we'd been there in the Cup Series. Um, and yeah, I, I like the road course racing, so I'd like, I still enjoyed the race. But it wasn't a good race. It wasn't an elite race. It was a fine race. Um, so I think average and in that spot is absolutely fair. Um, and I, I'd rather it not be on the schedule going forward as a regular season race. I'll... I'm cautious about what it'll be as the clash as well, just because yeah. the clash has so few cars compared to the, to the regular season races. Um, so I don't really know what to really make of, uh, of the road course at Daytona in NASCAR yet, but yeah. maybe, maybe we get a fantastic clash and a fantastic regular season race that completely changes their mind. But for right now, I think it's the lower end of average. When you look at what for the NASCAR, Roval was in its for NASCAR. Yeah, yes, for one hundred percent. When you look at what the Roval was for its debut, and you compare that to the Daytona Road Course, I know it's a totally different types of track, but one definitely delivered way more than the other. Yeah. So, and well, uh, I think, to, that, to that point as well, if we can get rid of that stupid chicane and just make it uh, the Daytona Road Course the same layout as the Rolex Twenty Four, that would be way better. But I know they yeah, won't that, do that. Yeah, that last chicane is just to decrease the speeds i guess going into turn one so they yeah miss but it. you know but what they're professional race car drivers it. so they yeah. should be able to know uh, how to use the brake pedal <laughs> i understand where you're coming from man um we're moving to the last two then kyle las vegas yeah. speedway and we end it with the circuit of the americas i guess i've got vegas here and you ended yep. up with the road course so las vegas another track that i've been to um it's a fun track. Uh, it's got a great facility. Uh, it's got a great garage area, great fan experience outside the track and inside it as well. Um, uh, it's just uh, a very unique looking garage just from the fans point of view here quickly. It's got uh, kind of like a, a, a diamond a little bit where you can see all the drivers you can walk around on. It's, it's very family, fan friendly, uh, a very fun facility. You can see most of the track and the racing itself though is a, is kind of, mediocre but at the same time they do have some good races i do think when they've switched to the night the day to night transition it has improved the racing more so than the spring race um when it is the third race of the season it kind of is when the seasons are when the teams are just kind of getting their feet wet it's the first mile and a half track so there's not much to it but by the time the season comes into playoff form it is actually a pretty decent track. Just look at this past season, Kurt Busch with the upset victory at his home track. It was a great story, a great race itself as well. Um, so I think the if you asked me this about a three, four years ago, I would say something a little bit differently. But I would put it behind Atlanta in the good category. I think it's a, it's a good mile and a half track. Um, it's got some bumps. It's got some tire wear to it. It's got some multiple grooves. Um, with this package, you can run the wall. You can run the bottom. 
it's encouraging uh, the nighttime races, but I, I think it's it's uh, above the Indianapolis road course, but I wouldn't put it above Atlanta or Charlotte. Yeah, I like it there too. Um, I, I It's kind of one of those tracks that are right on the verge of the good average one. So I like it on the, the low end of good there because the last time we, we went there, it was a pretty wild race. Um, it, Vegas is a, is a track as well that, that I've liked uh, uh, in the past as well. So I, I like it in that spot. I think when you look at the tracks around it, it definitely fits in. Um, I, I wouldn't have it any higher than that in the good category, no. but I also wouldn't have it any lower. So I, I like the spot there. All right. Last one, Kyle. Last one. A track we don't know yet, but we definitely are looking forward to very much this upcoming season, the Circuit of the Americas or CODA. Circuit of the Americas. We literally have no reference for this because we haven't run any stock cars on it in a race. So where the hell does that put it? Well, we look at the other ones that we've done and Nashville, Road America, those are kind of the comparable ones in terms of the, the reference points that we have. I mean, we put those in average. I'm more excited for this race than, than those ones, so I would want to put it in good, but then when I look at how we have it laid out and one more average race would make it nice and even between the top three tiers, it kind of makes me want to put it in average. So I'm good with either one. Where do you want to put it? This is a very tough one for me. It's, it's an interesting one to end it because I am yeah. very optimistic for this one, for the stock cars on this layout. Me too. I would have preferred, we talked about it before, I'm a little bit more on the side of making it the shorter layout than the longer one. I do think the field will get a bit too spread out for my liking, but I am optimistic that the S's, very similarly to Watkins Glen, it's going to have uh, a fun aspect to it. That first uh, hard stopping turn one corner, turn on a dime. It's going to be interesting to see who throws a dime <laughs> yeah. up into that corner. I know some people will definitely be a bit more aggressive than others. So, oh, of course, it's 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 a it's an, an enticing track. It, it leaves me pretty excited for this upcoming one of all the road courses on the schedule this upcoming season. This is definitely the one I'm looking forward to the most but i'm happy to keep it an average but i, I couldn't hear an argument for good but i, I would i would think you know average is probably screw something it. let's put it at the bottom end of good you want to put it at the screw bottom it. end of good screw it you know when it comes to how excited we okay. are for it we're more excited for this race coming into it than the average tier so i think yes. it'd be doing it a little bit of a disservice if we put it an average I think when we're looking at the track itself, I think it is a better race track too than Road America. It's, it's an F one track for crying out loud. It's it's a well built facility in the heart of Texas, and yeah. I thank the God that they are taking over a Texas Motor Speedway race for it. So that's going to bump oh, it up yeah. from me as yeah. well. So I'll give them the good uh, category for it, and uh, that's all the tracks we have. Do you want to make any last changes to it? Are, are we looking at anything that we want to adjust? Maybe one step forward, one step back, or even a tier higher, tier lower? see when i look at it i feel like we got i feel like we got a good read of things um just based off of the way that we ranked circuit of the americas in terms of how excited we are going in but then it does a i would i would consider putting nashville in the needs work category just because i'm not excited for it all that much going into the first race there but it also doesn't really fit the needs work category because we don't know if it does need work so i would i would maybe consider putting one of those average tracks down but what are your thoughts i would move i could hear the argument for moving nashville below road america i think i think that's okay yeah um, let's do that um 
I don't know if I would move any of these other ones down. Like I think they're they're pretty bang yeah. average. But you know, when I look at Richmond, New Hampshire, and Phoenix, they all kind of fit the same bill. Yeah. Uh, they're very similar kind of driving styles as well. So maybe that has something to do with it. Um, Dover and Texas, I, I couldn't be harsher to put them in parking lot. I really like what we have in good Roval, yeah. Kansas, Auto Club Speedway, Charlotte, Atlanta, Vegas, um, the Indianapolis uh, road course now, Circuit of the Americas. Let's not forget we have an average, mm-hmm. the Daytona road course as well. So right, right. No, that's not on here. So that does kind of make it equal with the, the elite at least. So, yeah, I mean, I'm pretty content to leave it where it yeah, is. Yeah, like when I, when I look at I the NASCAR schedule, when I look at the NASCAR schedule, there really is only four tracks that we go to where when I see it on the calendar, I'm kind of like, ugh, uh, really? This one? Yeah. All the tracks in average. Could change depending I, on this season. We'll yeah. see. All the, all the tracks in average, I'm like, okay, there's at least promise to this race. And obviously the good and elite I'm excited for most of the time. Um I think if we did this a year ago and we still had like Kentucky on here, I think that would oh, yeah. reflect things. Um, Chicago land. I don't know where that would honestly I'll put it in go. Good. I, 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 somewhere probably between good and average. If we're being honest, um, I, I, I think we're if higher on that. Track with Charlotte, than... Atlanta and Vegas. I think that's, yeah. I think I would probably put it ahead of Charlotte to be honest. I think Chicago land is a better track than in Charlotte. All right. But, but uh, uh, yeah, yeah. I, I think right now, NASCAR has a really, really solid schedule with the changes that they've made. We'll see how some of these new additions go. We might, after one year, be ready to put Nashville in parking lot and just be like, send them to the fairgrounds. I don't care how terrible the facility is right now. Or uh, or we could go there and get an amazing race and it it gets way up there. Maybe it gets into good. So there's a lot of uh, variability with some of the new additions. I feel really, really good about our elite tier. I feel yes. good about our good tier. Um, so I like what we got going on here. I think the elite tier is what I'm I, elite and good. I'm very proud of. I think that yeah. those tracks are just so well done in, in a lot of ways from mm-hmm. fan experience to the actual on track product and um, what NASCAR delivers to those tracks as well. I, I you know, Bristol's 100% my favorite oh, track. Yeah. Um, it's just never going to be topped. I don't think, uh, it, well, I, I'm not even going to put the Bristol dirt below. Like, do we want to put Bristol dirt? Bristol goes dirt? in parking lot. <laughs> we want to put that in parking lot? I think that goes even below Pocono and Michigan. Like, yes. We'll, we'll see what, it, what the racing product is. But for right even now, regardless on the racing product, yeah, it shouldn't you, you be a regular what? It shouldn't, season shouldn't race. even be on there. It no, shouldn't even be on stop there. It. It shouldn't even be on there. Yeah, no, no. <laughs> Sorry. Had a brain fart. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but but Bristol, Martinsville, Daytona, Darlington, Talladega, Watkins Glen, Homestead, Miami Speedway are your elite tracks. The Charlotte Roval, Kansas Speedway, Auto Club Speedway, Charlotte Motor Speedway, Atlanta Motor Speedway, Las Vegas Motor Speedway, a lot of motor speedways there. No kidding. Indianapolis Motor Speedway and the Circuit of the Americas are your good races. Um, Richmond Raceway, Sonoma Raceway, Phoenix International Raceway. New Hampshire Motor Speedway, Road America, Nashville Super Speedway, and the Daytona Road Course are all an average. Where would you put the Daytona Road Course in here? Um, for um, uh, uh, I would I would put it behind would, New Hampshire. Probably I would maybe put Road America ahead of it just because there's some more promise okay. to it because we haven't been there. But I don't know. Fair enough. And then in needs work, we've got Dover International Speedway, Texas Motor Speedway, and then in the parking lot, get rid of them. I don't want to see them again. Pocono <laughs> Raceway and Michigan International Raceway. Michigan gets the honor of being the worst track on the NASCAR Cup Series calendar. 
there is stuff you can do to improve it, Michigan, aka yeah. bulldozing it. But um, <laughs> you know, we'll uh, we'll take what we can get. So that's the tier maker for 2020 uh, going into the 2021 season. We'll see what it looks like maybe in a year's time when we do this. Yeah, Once I think we'll have, we have to do it again and races. compare it. Yeah. Yeah, this is a get your screen grabs, everybody, and then you can come back and yell at us oh, yeah. uh, and uh, see what we got wrong and see what we got right for this upcoming year. So that's the tier maker for this upcoming season. And that does it for today's episode, Kyle. Very yes, fun one. I'm glad, I'm glad we did that. Yeah, we that was really this fun. idea out there uh, last year. And uh, definitely the tier maker comes through once again in a lot of different ways. And we got to finally put to bed who is the best racetrack, who are the elite tracks, and who are the ones that need to be bulldozed and made into a parking lot so any final thoughts before we wrap up yeah that was a ton of fun so we might have to uh bust out the tier makers again maybe for the f1 season we do an f1 tier maker list or something like that we'll see something like that yeah something got along plenty those of lines from. yeah exactly so uh but no this was fun i'm really happy with the list that we had we agreed on on quite a bit we had some disagreements but only slight uh no. we we, we like kind of the same stuff when it comes to nascar so yeah um so that was good but yeah uh fun episode and uh checks another one off the box before the season yeah the season is fast approaching we've got the chili bowl uh coming yes. up this weekend we've had a couple of qualifying races we didn't get to talk about today but uh we'll talk about the main event on what happened uh over the weekend who won the thing Christopher Bell and Kyle Larson, obviously the favorites most likely going into that event when they do qualify for, I think Larson has already Christopher Bell. Yeah, has I, his, I believe. Yeah. Uh, I, I believe so. he was belt is, is belt tonight or was he last night? I can't remember. Bell's tonight. Okay. I know that for sure. Um, but we'll see if someone else can come and maybe upset the two big dogs there in Larson and Bell for the chili pool. Going to be a fun one to keep track of. Absolutely. Uh, I don't know if we'll, we'll be able to watch it or not, but we'll, we'll try our best to uh, give you the latest on that. And then uh, we'll see what, ha what the future has in store for us for the uh, Monday episode. If there's any more news, we'll uh, definitely bring that to you. And uh, maybe we'll have another fun episode or two before we get into our season previews for the NASCAR side of things. And Daytona is quickly approaching here with uh, about 30 days or so before the season starts. So yeah, very, very exciting stuff here at the Green Flag. Make sure to go follow us on Instagram at the green flag, Twitter at the green flag pod and subscribe to the YouTube channel. All the links to those social channels will be in the link of the YouTube video description. But for this episode, I've been Lucas Wacker. He's been Kyle Cushman signing off for now. We will talk to you Monday with hopefully some more news. Enjoy the chili bowl, everybody.